Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping an absolutely fantastic weekend for the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, you know, they had the border war. Um, they've had a whole bunch of stuff happening in football recruiting, but we are not actually going to talk about that, or at least not very much on this one. We will, the second episode of this week, we will be talking about Kansas football because the recruiting class will be done at that point. We will actually know uh, the vast majority of the new players that will be coming to the Jayhawks at this point, you know for next season, but uh, to help me talk about basketball, it's not the guy you're usually used to hearing. Steve Fetch, unfortunately, was unavailable, but we have standing in for him, you know, absolutely great guest. He has been on here a few times already. Kyle Davis, one of our contributors over at Rock Chalk Talk, is joining us. Kyle, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm good, Andy, and I think I appreciate, you know, as a Kansas native that you uh, you called me up for the Missouri uh episode of the podcast and so i'm hoping just like some of the local guys on saturday you know i'll try to bring some of that same fire and energy that they did yeah exactly you know what um i absolutely thoroughly enjoyed that game that we had and we'll we'll get into the details there um but you know i found it funny when we did our predictions over on rock talk talk um that nobody actually talked about the game because the game we expected it to be really bad big big blowout all that fun stuff everybody was talking about their memories of the border war um, and how basically nobody expected anything, you know, in this game or this series coming up to live up to it. But I can de- guarantee you that we all thoroughly enjoyed the game that we did see on Saturday. So let's let's go ahead and jump in immediately. Of all the great things that you saw there, what was probably your favorite part of that game that we saw on Saturday? So I think, um, you know, for specifically for the game, I think in CJ Moore at the athletic did a really good, this was his angle with the piece. And, uh, and if you don't have the athletic definitely should get it just for him as well, covering Kansas. And it's great, but he used the term swagger. And I think it's similar to like, I think I used the word fire earlier and it's just this, it's something that was missing last year. And it's the guys that it's the, it's the, it's just that the intangible that this team has that I don't think we had last year. I don't think we had it in 2019 either where you see it with, it's not, you know, it's not being a jerk. It's not the like intimidation of the Morris twins, but whether it's with Christian Brown, you know, willing to dunk on you and then point at you and just, you know, make it, you know, let you know what happened. Remy's constantly clapping and, and, and talking a little bit, David will flex. And then you have like Ochai, who's not going to say a word, but he's just going to completely carve you up. If you try to go under screens, which that's a whole other topic of why opponents continue to go under screens on him. But uh, I think it's just, yeah, there's a fire in this team. And again, not in like a uh, a bad way, but there's a intensity that I think we've been missing that obviously the it helps when you're winning and you're playing well, but there's just some of that. I think it goes into one of the aspects of, of the actual game 
and one of the trends I've noticed just throughout the year that we can get to later, but there's just a, there's kind of an attacking mindset that I think has been missing. And even self talked about it a little bit after the game about he likes it when his you know teams aren't stale and there's definitely no staleness with this team. And so, you know, there's, there's you know, Missouri is not a good basketball team. So there's only so much you can take away from the actual on court performance. Although I do think there were some good things from like a Dewan Harris confidence standpoint offensively and that sort of thing. But, and, and, you know, David McCormick being a little more, aggressive especially on the boards offensive boards than we've seen but that's why you know because there's only so much you can take away on the on the court from a, a team that is clearly just inferior uh I, I think the fire was what impressed me most because we'd seen glimpses of it but this is the one where it came together where everyone was kind of so locked in mentally that there was no way they were not just going to have that result into their play yeah, I mean, and and honestly, if you look at it, like, this was one where everybody was locked in, right? This is one where you saw what the potential of a lot of these guys are because, you know, Fetch and I, and, and honestly, anybody who's who's talked about this team has talked about the fact that Dewan Harris, you know, uh, you know, regardless of what everybody has said about him coming into the year, how he is much improved and is a much better offensive shooter than anybody really got to see, you know, I, I still think this year... He never was able to get himself into a rhythm so far this year because he hasn't really been that aggressive in trying to get his shot. He is much more likely to pass up a shot to you know to someone else who is in a similar situation in terms of how good of a shot they can get um, than than to try to pull the trigger on it himself. In this particular game, you know, playing against the hometown team because he again he is a guy from Columbia, Missouri. He really was motivated to show out and play well in this game. You know, he was three of four from three. He he made both of his two point shots. Like he was highly motivated to take shots, to get offense, and to really show what he can do, and it was showing. Like I, I, I can see from his performance on Saturday what a lot of people were talking about how how he is a much better offensive player than he actually gets credit for. The problem hasn't necessarily been his shooting ability; it's been his his willingness to shoot, his willingness to push his own offense. You know, I, I can't necessarily hold too much against him when they have so many other options, but he's gotten you know, away from his shooting to a fault almost to the point where he can never really seem to get himself going when he's on, when he is engaged and is actively trying to get his own offense at times, you've seen now what he is able to do. The The question becomes how well is he going to harness this throughout the rest of the year? Can he use this as that launching pad of, Hey, look, if I get, try to get my shot, it's going to work. Like I, I'm going to be able to contribute offensively as well to this team. And, I mean, and that's really what this team needs to to take it to the next level, that they don't have a guy that's out there that is kind of that, that black hole of offense. Everybody needs to be looking for shots. Everybody needs to be creating mismatches and giving them opportunities for everyone else to get going too. Yeah, and I think the you know, Self talked in the post-game press conference or the interview with Greg Gurley about how the play of the game was when Duan made the first three because the way that Missouri was playing, they were going to leave him wide open and play four on five the rest of the way and dare him to shoot. And as soon as he made those first two threes, they had to, you know, obviously abandon the game plan. Like it didn't work. That completely changed their, their scheme. The reason why that's not so important is because I don't think that necessarily changes the outcome of the game. Like in Kansas wins by 20 or 30, regardless as if he goes over three and they continue to sag off of him. But you know, that Missouri is not the only one that's going to play this way. Like it's the same thing that happened with Marcus Garrett where teams are going to sink back into the paint and dare him to shoot. And especially with how good that Christian and Ochai and others are at, at driving and cutting, they're going to take away those lanes and basically say, okay, you know, if you beat us, so be it. And so that's why I think those first shots going in and this just offensive play in general was so important for Dwan, not for this game, but for the next time that a team schemes him this way and sinks into the paint and takes away the passing lanes that hopefully, you know, that the question is whether it's going to continue because a lot of times, you know, Marcus would see it over and over. And sometimes it would, it would happen where he'd go five of six and you say, okay, you know, that's ball game and we've got this, but there's other times where then he would miss his first four and his confidence would be shaken. And so I'm really curious to see, I can't imagine that, you know, he gets guarded as closely as, as Christian or Ochine now of how this confidence kind of carries over as they keep going through the season. Right, right. Teams are going to continue to sag off on on him on offense until he shows that he's going to consistently be able to make those. And and really, I think what this game shows, it's about getting him going early 
getting him confident in his own shot and making teams pay, you know, for it sagging off of him routinely. Uh, and, and I mean, you know, we said similar sort of things, I think, about Remy Martin in terms of trying to, you know, not defer quite so much earlier this year. We also said, you know, this about guys like Marcus Garrett last year or, you know, other other players throughout the last few years. But there always seems to be one guy who just, you know, is a lot better than he had been shooting, but doesn't seem to get try to get himself going, which has been kind of a fault of this team. I, I, like, I'm having a hard time thinking of a year in the last three or four years where they didn't have a guy who got significant minutes who just was a black hole on offense because he wasn't really trying very hard. And, and I think a lot of that has to go with, my, or I, I take that back, not, not that he's not trying very hard, but that he is deferring to other people to create offense rather than creating his own offense as a way to open up the shots for other people. So, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely one of those things where if Dwan Harris is no longer going to be the guy that when he gets it, he's looking to pass first and that when he has a wide open shot, he's going to take it and make them at a decent clip. That makes this entire team a lot more dangerous. Um, you know, like you were saying, they all had this swagger. They all came out completely on fire. Dewan Harris was the guy you saw at the most. Christian Brown, I thought, was the second most. Um, you know, not necessarily in terms of a, uh, or I should say, second most in terms of what you expected to see. We knew that he was going to be fired up, um, and so it wasn't quite as surprising. Dewan Harris being as fired up as he was, I thought, was a little bit surprising, just given what we saw from him. But Man, Brown was on fire in this game. He only ended up having 13 points, but he really set the tone early in the game for the way that Kansas was going to play. Um, your thoughts on, on on Brown, and was this unexpected at all from you? No, not at all, especially the way that he's been playing of late. And you know, I wrote for the site probably two or three weeks ago now about how you know this Christian Brown's breaking out, and it seems like this is a different, again, more aggressive player than it was last year. But I think especially you know the 13 points, it was because – he didn't have to do anything in the second half. You know, he was that that was not needed. Right. He could kind of keep going. But the thing that impressed me the most, I think, for him was on defense. It was those three blocks. He got a steal. Like he was making himself an imposing figure wherever he was. You know, they him coming in and just swiping the ball from uh, on the baseline a couple of times from from the zoo players and and just he. I, I feel like he was in their heads in every way. And it wasn't just the dunks or the threes. I was impressed with his, his defense and him going after the ball and just everything he kind of was doing was, uh, was pretty impressive just from a, and again, it's to this point, I think the question was him was not, can he do it? Everyone knew he could do it. The question is how sustainable and consistent can he be? And I mean, the answer so far, and it'll be interesting to see once we get into big 12 play is that, he he can be consistent and it's not just with the scoring although scoring's great as a compliment to Ochai it's the rebounding it's still his passing's been probably an underrated part of his game and that's another thing when we go into Duan too is just the the spacing and the passing and the ball movement is just so strong on this team you know again we're like comparing it to some of the teams of the past especially last year is the easy one to make but there's just it's hard to even even uh fault guys too much for take you know passing up maybe a good look because for some reason there's they're always two passes away from an even better one or a layup or a dunk and so christian's definitely been part of that too so just all around i would say just well-rounded you know complete game he he really didn't show many flaws in this one yeah i mean it's it's hard to find a flaw with with any of the players honestly at this point like mitch lightfoot fouled out but he was super aggressive and like he did exactly what you expect a guy like him to do. He's a guy to come in and, you know, kind of set the tone, play really good defense. He's got extra fouls to give, you know, bring be that energy guy. And he he played that part to perfection in his 12 minutes, getting five fouls. Um, really kind of set the tone for how Kansas was going to challenge everything that Missouri was trying to do. Yeah, it's hard to find a fault with anybody. Kind of like you said at the beginning of the episode, everybody had a swagger and and you know what? The swagger that they all saw or that they all had reminded me a lot of the swagger that you're going to have, um, you know, if you were to wear the absolutely wonderful, phenomenal clothing from sponsor here on the podcast, uh, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have shirts, sweaters, hoodies, joggers, all kinds of great stuff that has, you know, Vintage logos from more than 100 different schools that are currently available. They're adding new ones all the time. They will be getting back to it immediately. 
um, once the, the new year starts right now. They're trying to get a whole bunch of stuff out for Christmas. Uh, but let me tell you, they have a bunch of great stuff coming. I don't know exactly what schools are coming, but I know that they have a lot of great ones coming. TCU is one of those schools for sure, uh, you know, Big 12 country. They're going to get Kansas at some point. I'm not sure when it is. I know that I'm bugging Travis Goff and I'm bugging Homefield every single day to try to make that happen so we can get that great Kansas gear, all those vintage logos. But if you go to over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code CHOP12. You can get 15% off your entire first order. Um, all orders over $100 get free shipping. They have a bunch of fantastic stuff. They just added a brand new Cincinnati shirt. They didn't have any other Cincinnati stuff, but because Cincinnati made the playoff, they added a brand new shirt for that. It looks absolutely phenomenal. They have so many great things. I have like five or six different shirts. Uh, from a bunch of different schools because their logos are absolutely fantastic. They are super comfortable. My wife steals them all the time. I guarantee you will not regret a purchase from Homefield. You're going to find some absolutely great stuff. It's a great talking point. It's all kinds of fantastic. So I love Homefield. I know you will too. Again, go to homefield.com. I'm sorry, homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. Get 15% off your entire order. While it's probably too late to, to put the order in now and make sure it gets there in time for Christmas, I did this with my wife last year. I told her exactly what she was getting. She was looking forward to it the entire time, and when it came, it was just as good as getting it on Christmas Day. So one one last time, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOP12 gets you 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, Kyle. So other guys that really kind of stood out from this game. Look, I, I came into this game thinking that David McCormick needed to show out and needed to actually go ballistic in this game. Uh, he only had 11 points. But, you know, he was three of six from two, five of seven from the free throw line. He had seven total rebounds. Like, he was an absolute beast in this game. Set the tone a lot defensively. Did a lot of things that I don't think necessarily show up in the stat line. But what what were your overall thoughts on David McCormick? Has he continued that steady rise in the way that he's playing? And, like, how, how does his performance in this game help you look at the outlook of him moving forward? You know, I think the... The the beginning of the year when I was doing a bunch of the the kind of look ahead and the and the twenty one questions ahead of the season, I had broken it I had broken it down into the you know I think KU's most valuable, their best, and their leading scorer are all going to probably be different guys. And I thought that Ochai would be the best player on the team uh, that's working out so far. I thought that Remy might be the top scorer just because I knew he had the ability to go off on, you know, 25, 30 point nights. And then maybe he was going to fluctuate on the high and lows a little bit more, which is not the case yet, but that's okay. I'm not, that's, I'm not upset at Martin. Uh, but I think I had David down there as the most important just because of there's so much depth on the wing and, and, you know, Mitch has been playing great, but there's, there's the bigger drop off in terms of depth and just talent and whatnot at the five position than anywhere else. And I think that's still true. And, and David's not necessarily lived up from an offensive standpoint. And, and it's still just the, you know, the, the missed layups are just, you know, make you want to pull your hair out. But I do think that he is doing, he's starting to do some of the other things that prove why he is uh, going to be a very important piece, because it's not just about the scoring. They don't need him to score 18 to 20 points a game. If, if Christian's going to step up offensively like this, if you know Remy can get his in any given night, I still think Jalen is is out of sync, but that's going to be coming. Um, what you need from David is to be a presence and to rebound, especially on the offensive boards, and get second chances, to draw fouls and get big men in, in trouble and knock down your free throws. And then, uh, which is, that's more disappointing parts is that he's only at 64% right now from the line. He was almost 80% last year. But if you look at, like, I'm looking at his Ken Palm page right now, and he's seventh currently in the country in offensive rebound percentage. And so, and he's even, you know, he's his fairly strong numbers on the defensive boards. He's got decent block percentage numbers. He's just, he's doing what he needs to do from a non-scoring standpoint, which is grab rebounds, be a presence in the post, not make it easy for other teams to score in there get a couple of blocks and also draw fouls and get freebies at the free throw line. So, you know, I want him to, to dunk and finish a little bit stronger when on offense and maybe hit his free throws a little more consistency consistently. But I think what was needed of him last year and what is needed from him on this team are not the same. And that's okay. If we don't hold him to the standard offensively that we had for him last year, because that's what we needed and instead, let's fit this role of, you know, I need more confidence, but let's do these other things just really, really well. Because outside of Jalen, 
there's not a whole lot of guys who can grab offensive boards and get fouled and, and bully down in the post like he can. And so that's going to be his role, and he's still going to be really valuable if he can do it well. Yeah, I mean, looking at what at what this team needs from David McCormick, you know, it's very clear they're going to play, you know, basically the four and one, where they're only going to have one big guy. And Mitch Lightfoot is a is definitely a, a passable big guy, especially in, in spots. But what Mitch Lightfoot does is not something that could be, you know, you can't really increase Lightfoot's minutes to 20 minutes a game or something and have him be nearly as successful. The way he plays is with a reckless abandon that, that really does help bring a change of pace, really does help kind of befuddle the opponents quite a bit, um, but it's going to lead to a lot of fouls. It's going to lead to a lot of different things that he needs to, to be able to overcome. And so you're not going to be able to get those 20 minutes out of, add, you know, a, a, a game out of him. You need a guy like David McCormick to come in and get at least 20 minutes to be able to play that good defense, to be able to do a lot of those things that don't necessarily immediately lead to scoring. And, and like you said, when you have so many different talented scores on the outside, McCormick doesn't need to be a guy that's going to score 18 to 20 points a game. You need to get double double digits from him, but he really needs to focus more on denying what the opponent is trying to do down low on defense and really creating those mismatches down low um, and you know creating that pressure down low that opens up things for everybody else on the outside. And so he's been doing that a lot better this year. I think he's coming along in that department a whole lot more. And with how many great scores they have on the outside, they, they, they don't need him to be as much of a big scorer down low as they did last year even. Um, and so this is allowing them, I think, an opportunity to really play to McCormick's strengths, allow him to do a lot of things he needs to do and get going, you know, to the same level that he did last year. There's not nearly as much pressure on him this year, I think, as there was last year. And we're starting to see that, you know, him play a little bit cleaner, a little bit freer. And, and, I, and it's definitely something that I'm looking forward to in terms of how well he's able to advance that and, and really move moving forward. Um, Zach Clements is, is another guy that can come in and get a few minutes, which really does take some pressure off of those guys. If one of them gets into foul trouble, whether it's Lightfoot or, or McCormick, or if one of them is just having an off night, there is a guy in Clements who, yes, he's not ready to be going for, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game again, but he can come in, be that change of place, get some good, you know, create some good mismatches and allow them an opportunity to do a, a few things that they normally wouldn't do. Ultimately, I think the main thing to take away from this is that this team is coming along in all the right places. They're doing absolutely everything that they need to do. Like This is a scary team. Yes, there's a lot of other scary teams in the Big 12, but this is a team that is hitting its stride already at this point. And with how many different options they have, even if a guy or two starts to cool off, they have so many options this year that I have a hard time seeing this being a team that quote-unquote peaks too early um, just because of how many different options they have and how many guys can step up and actually peak later in the year if they need to. Yeah, and just the way that the roster is built, too, is that, you know, if you look at Texas is a good example. Texas has a lot of guys, too. And you just from a deep bench, a lot of transfers, really talented guys, but they don't have a true five man in terms of like what, you know, like going against McCormick. I mean, I guess you could say kind of, you know, I guess they've got a lot of, you know, six, eight to six, nine guys, you know, Christian Bishop, Trey Mitchell kind of play that at times, but they don't really have any of those. And then they don't have any really great wing guys who can kind of match where a, a lengthy like Christian Brown can do. And so, you know, that's where I think it's not just the depth, which the depth is absolutely critical and great, but I think it's just, and kudos to self here, it's just the structure of it where you have multiple ball handlers and you trust, you know, Remy and Harris and even uh, Yesifu when he gets in there to handle the ball and break press and all that kind of stuff. You've got plenty of wings and scoring on the wing where they can get to outside or, or drive to the basket. And then you have McCormick and then Lightfoot and others in there as well. So, yeah, I think there's other teams in the conference that have proven that they're deep to an extent. I think Texas is a good example where, yeah, they're deep, but they're deep in all the kind of same places and they still have some pretty gaping holes. Whereas Kansas, the holes right now, the defense is still coming together. That's something where it's, if, it, if you're at the halfway point and you need to either drastically fix the offense or drastically fix the defense, you'd much rather fix the defense, especially with self. Like there's just, there's fewer holes and the way that it's built, those holes are just easier to manage than it is a team like Texas, who's going to be competing for the big 12 championship. But there's just some places where if you look at how that roster was configured, it's just, it doesn't really add up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know what, this, this conference is definitely a defensive conference this year. Um, so if you're going to differentiate yourself as, you know, being like the best offense or one of the best offenses in the nation, 
that's going to do more for you just marginally um, than you know having another great defense because everybody's going to have great defenses. I think what's going to determine who wins the Big 12 this year is going to be who can consistently perform at an offensive level over the rest of the teams here because there's, you know, I mean, looking at looking at who we have right here in, in terms of adjusted defense, you've got Baylor at two um, in, in the nation so far. Texas Tech is at six. Like, you've got uh, Iowa State at 11. You've got Oklahoma State at 13. Um, you know, you've got a lot of fantastic defense. You've got Texas at 22, uh, Oklahoma at 27, Kansas at 28. Like, you just go down this entire Big 12 conference and is littered with fantastic defenses. Um, but offenses are really where this where this conference is, is kind of struggling comparatively. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that anyone is, like, super bad on offense other than maybe, like, Iowa State is struggling offensively. Oklahoma State is struggling offensively. Um, but, you know, in general, you've got a lot of really, really good defenses and not nearly as many good offenses. Like, I think that's what sets Kansas and Baylor apart right now this year um, is that they both are phenomenal offensively, and it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how they match up when they finally get there. But, all right, so I think that wraps up the discussion for the Missouri game. We are going to take a look at the Stephen F. Austin game, um, but before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Season is finally here, Big 12 fans. And for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have. So go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. Um, yeah, anything else from this game or kind of outlook that from this game before we look ahead to the, to the game coming up this weekend? You know, I think this is a good kind of transition into from the Missouri game to Stephen F. Austin, just because of one of Stephen F. Austin's weaknesses, but then it kind of goes back to this roster construction too. And I don't want to completely, uh, uh, scoop myself because I'm planning to write about this in the next week or two, but the biggest I think it's so I was looking through here's the exercise is first of all I don't know if there's a it's not only that like take Ochai and and Christian for example yes their offense has been great they're scoring really well but it's the efficiency that's been truly impressive and so I was looking through all the top I think I went through the top 10 or 20 teams on Ken Palm and Baylor could could say this before the uh, Nova game and then ironically enough after that game this is no longer the case but so Ochai and Christian are the only two teammates that I found that are top 50 in the country together, both in offensive rating, uh, effective field goal percentage, and true shooting percentage. Right now, Ochai is, uh, let's see, 13th in offensive rating, 33rd in effective field goal percentage, and 38th in, in true shooting percentage. Christian Brown's 49th in rating, uh, 39th in effective field goal and 30th in true shooting percentage. So it's not just the fact that, you know, yes, they're getting their, their buckets. And I think even self pointed this out from the Missouri game that Ochai was the only player that took more than 10 shots. It's just incredible how efficient and those two guys are, are leading by example. Uh, but it's crazy how efficient this team has gotten. And especially in, in turning around a weakness that was the most glaring weakness last year, which was two point, field goal percentage like they just could not score inside the paint and around the basket last year and I think I I, so I went back through and looked last year Kansas was 207th nationally in two point percentage at 48.9 percent this year so far and I know big 12 schedule will will change this a little bit but right now they're third nationally at 59.5 percent and it's because guys like Ochai and Christian and others have found ways to get to the basket and score easily in their t- outside of Remy, you know, long twos and more efficient, you know, drives to the basket. But it's crazy just already the 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 efficiency turnaround that we've seen from this team. And again, it's got to be one of the reasons why why this offense is is running and and why you would make, feel better about it long term than maybe the 2018 2018 team that lived off of threes is because while the defense will get stronger, like 
those shots in the way that they run the offense are going to be there. And if they can even be half as good as they're being now, that offense is still going to be great. So I transitioned that into Stephen F. Austin, because if you had any concerns, Stephen F. Austin's one of the worst teams uh, in the country in terms of their two point percentage allowed on defense, they give up, they let teams score 54% uh, from inside the arc. So you have to think that that trend is going to continue. And I'm curious to see, not just as they put up the numbers, how Ochai and Christian, how they do it and kind of how that sausage is made is what's even more fascinating, just how truly efficient they're being. Yeah, so I mean, jumping into what Stephen F. Austin does, um, well, they don't really do that much well. So we'll just preface, with, preface it with that. Um, on defense, you know, the couple things that they do, they, they are pretty good actually at, at stealing the ball, um, forcing turnovers that way. Um, actually, they are... They are top 25 in both forcing turnovers and steals uh, in, in terms of those percentages. So that is something that Kansas will have to be real careful about taking care of the ball. They, they can't just assume that they're going to be able to go in, you know, and run the offense that they want and not really have any kind of resistance on that because this is a team that, that does really, really well with that. But everything else defensively, they're not great at. You know, they're not great at getting offensive rebounds. They're giving up a lot of shots, a lot of. Uh, percentages three-point defense is one of those things that's really kind of hard to to really talk about that as a, a good defensive trait so like yeah they're they're decent 95th in terms of three-point percentage allowed but that's a lot more team defense independent than than all the other stats and and, and we've talked about that a few times they, they give up a decent number of three-pointers uh, in terms of the percentage of field goals that are attempted on them but but nothing too crazy there um, but yeah, I mean, so part of that though, is that they are so bad inside, you know, they rank, they give up 54.1% of, uh, of shot. I'm sorry. Their opponents are making 54.1% of their two point attempts, which is absolutely atrocious. Um, so, you know, Kansas is going to be able to go inside early and, and go inside often if they really want to. The question is how much do they want to get McCormick going, get Lightfoot going and all of that. Um, you know, and, and then the extra opportunities are going to get, going to go ahead and give up in terms of offensive rebounds. Like they, they do that quite a bit. Teams get to the line against them a lot. So Kansas is going to have a lot of opportunities to get the guys down low going. Um, I mean, not saying that they're going to shy away from shooting threes because they're going to have plenty of opportunities there as well. Uh, but this is a, a, a Stephen F. Austin team that can't really do much to stop them defensively. Um, so I, I do agree with you. I, I expect Kansas to roll in this one offensively. Um, and then looking at what Stephen F. Austin does on offense, like they're, they're again, they're fairly good at getting their own offensive rebounds. Um, I think part of that, though, has to do with the fact that they, you know, miss so many shots that they're probably in a pretty, in a pretty good position to go ahead and get those rebounds. Um, they tend to go to the line quite a bit, which is a little bit surprising. Um, so Kansas may have to worry about foul trouble. Um, but, you know, they, they don't make a lot of their twos. They don't make a lot of their free throws when they actually get there. And they tend to turn the ball over quite a bit. So it's, you know, it's one of those things, unfortunately... I don't. I don't necessarily know that they're. You know, if you, if you're a Stephen F. Austin fan, hoping for a competitive game at least, there's just nothing I can point to for what they do that that Kansas is going to not really be able to take a lot of advantage of. Are there any matchups that you're really looking forward to? Um, you know, anything in terms of individual players you want to see how wh- whether it's just how well do Kansas players play, or if there's somebody specifically on Stephen F. Austin that you think could potentially give Kansas trouble in an individual matchup that you're really interested to see how they handle it. So I, I think, you know, going back to the inside part, one of the reasons why it's so hard for Stephen F. Austin is because they don't have a player that plays any sort of significant minutes as taller than six, seven. So right. I don't think it's even just McCormick. I think it's Jalen Wilson and Ochai and, and guys like that, I think are going to be able to still, they, there, there is no rim protection there. Um, and so that's, you know, I, I think this will be an interesting one. This is one where, you know, big guys like David sometimes even struggle against the teams that are a lot smaller than them because they're so fast and just get position and whatnot. But I think maybe this could be a good breakout game for for Jalen Wilson um, and even like Zach Clements and them to, to see that. But I guess in terms of players from Stephen F. Austin, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll kind of uh, trivia time you and see if you know this. Do you know – what player on Stephen F. Austin is going to be uh, making a return to Lawrence on Saturday? Uh, well, I do have the Ken Palm page up, so I, I feel like I'm kind <laughs> so of cheating. cheating. But, but uh, yeah. well, no, it, it's funny because I was looking at this before anyway, and I happened to notice the name. But Latrell Giselle 
uh, is, yeah, is coming that's back. Yeah, that's who jumped out to me as well. Yeah, freshman at KU last year, transferred, and he's he's doing all right. He's got 6.4 points a game, 1.2 rebounds. He's he's He looked like in the last couple of games, he's been the first guy off the bench. And so, uh, yeah, that'll be a name that at least uh, – should be recognizable and familiar to KU fans as they're tuning in on Saturday. Uh, if for nothing else, they should also know the coach um, who has been adjacent to the program and, and some of the different coaches around here for a while. But yeah, between between uh, Latrell and then uh, obviously Kyle Keller as the coach, there's, there's going to be some familiarity with the Stephen F. Austin team. Yeah, so I mean... I, I don't know that there's too much more to actually say about this particular game, uh, unless there's something that really jumps out to you. But, uh, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I do fully expect this team uh, to roll. <laughs> you know, this is going to be, this is one of the better teams, obviously, Kansas is um, in all of basketball. Um, you know, it's, and I think there's definitely some high hopes for this, for this team and what they're able to do going into the break and looking into next year. Um, kind of a little bit of a non sequitur, but talking about, you know, teams that we have high hopes for going into next year and, and the way that we value them, um, you know, Kansas football, and, and we'll, we might talk here just a little bit about them, but one place where you can really, t- you know, show just how much faith you have in this Kansas football team is over on sponsor here on the, on the podcast. Uh, that is Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off of your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn those cash payouts every time the team wins. Go, you can go join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams by going to Symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account. When you deposit, make sure you use promo code CHALK12 for a money-back guarantee. Yes, that's right. Symbol's offering a money-back guarantee to all listeners of our show. That money-back guarantee means that even if you lose money in the first 90 days, you can go over there, check it out, You know, find some teams, whether it's NBA, NFL, MLB, uh, NHL, you know, or college or college football team, you know, invest in them. If after 90 days you've lost money, decided this, is, this this isn't for you, you want out, they will give you back that entire initial deposit, no questions asked, up to $500. So head on over, symbol.com, use promo code CHOCK12. That deposit that you have initially will get a money-back guarantee up to $500. They are going to be adding EPL and college basketball sometime in the next year. So by the time the season starts next year, they will be adding college basketball. So keep an eye out there. If you get started now, you can build up a little bit of a bank be ready to jump in by your Jayhawks when when they show up for college basketball as well. But uh, one more time, symbol.com, promo code CHOCK12, get you a money-back guarantee on all your initial deposit up to $500. All right, Kyle. Um, I mean, is, is there anything else basketball-wise that really jumps out to you that you want to talk about? Or, or did you want to chat just real quick about this, uh, you know, excitement that's building for the recruiting class that, that, that we are amassing here for, for the Kansas Jayhawks? Yeah, you know, I think the the last thing I'll put a bow on basketball, and definitely we could talk some football. But I, I think the what I'm going to be looking for most on Saturday is what we talked about in Missouri, and that's it. I want to see how locked in these guys are because you're just coming off a very emotional, you know, uh, border war from Saturday. You got finals all week. You got a trip to Colorado on Tuesday, which is another you know that that right before Christmas game is always sneaky. So I don't think Stephen F. Austin is a trap game in the sense that I would be too concerned, but I want to see how much of that fire and just kind of, you know, the the focus is there because then teams of the past would tend to play up and down to the competition. And so I think if nothing else, I just want to see what the attitude's like from the guys if they're just checked out from an exhausting week and finals and they know they have Colorado and they're just kind of, you know, coast or, and I don't expect there to be the same sort of energy that there is from Missouri, but like how much of that, just that focus and energy and whatnot are they going to get? I think that's kind of what I'm looking forward to most and just kind of putting a bow on, on Stephen F. Austin. It's actually kind of funny because you would think like normally in, in any particular year, you would think that, uh, you know, going from Missouri to Stephen F. Austin, there should be like a step down in competition. So you should be able to, to try to replicate what you did against Missouri, even without all that extra, you know, pomp and circumstance, all the extra, you know, energy that you have. Unfortunately, that's not the case for, for Missouri this year. They are ranked 153rd Ken Palm after that game. Um, Stephen F. Austin is ranked as a better team. And to be honest, looking at what they do, like I, I do think that Stephen F. Austin is, is probably actually a better team. So the fact that they're playing them after that, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that it's like a step down in competition that should make it easier for Kansas to actually score really well. 
Um, I, I do think that Kansas can be successful if they stay, you know, focused. That they could get a margin, maybe maybe not quite all the way up to almost set, almost forty points, but uh, you know, should should be able to get the twenty one point line that Ken Palm is is uh, suggesting at this point. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see one where the line is at and if things move between now and then, but also just you know how much energy they come out with, how how much focus they have, and how much are they really trying to learn and put in before the game against Colorado next next Tuesday? Um, you know, they, they do have, like, that's their final game. That's on, the game on the road at Colorado prior to the Christmas break. Um, you know, they have one of those every single year. Uh, they do that, and then everybody just flies home uh, from that point forward. So it'll be interesting to kind of see what they do in their final tune-up before that, that road game before the break. I will be really interested to see how much fire they have in this particular game. So like you said, like this isn't a game that you have to any real worry about Kansas losing, um, but you would like to see them building on this particular performance so that we're not wondering what's going on or if, you know, that kind of performance we're only going to get when they have a, a, a really big reason to be hyped up for it. So, all right, let's go ahead and take a look real quick. I, again, I'm not going to dive deep into the recruiting class, but there's been a lot of news on Twitter about guys that are showing up uh, guys that are committing to this class, you know, things or people that we can get excited about. There actually was some news recently. Kansas did hire um, a new wide receivers coach to replace Emmett Jones. Uh, Terrence, Terrence Samuel will be the wide receivers coach. I don't have a lot of information about what he has been doing recently. Uh, I haven't had, actually had a chance to pull up the press conf or the, the press release that they had, but uh, you know, he does have 24 years of college coaching experience. Uh, so, you know, he, he has been to quite a few different schools, uh, I believe he has actually worked alongside Leipold before, so it'll be interesting to see how he really is able to do what Leipold wants uh, and how he's able to get these wide receivers ready for for this Leipold system. But I am definitely interested to kind of see what that brings in. Recruiting trail-wise, um, any particular recruits that's committed in the last few days here that really jumps out to you as a guy that is a phenomenal get for them? Yeah, I think... I think the, it's not just the, you know, so it's, it's always going to be nice from a PR perspective when you can say, you know, former Ohio state Buckeye or Michigan state Spartan or Nebraska uh, Cornhusker, that sort of thing from a transfer perspective. But I think just as, you know, the, and especially when you're looking at, you know, it's tough just to evaluate four star versus three star. And a lot of these guys were former, you know, four star players. I think the positions are what is getting me excited. It's not just that you get a uh, a transfer from Ohio State or you know from Michigan State. It's that it's at the position of cornerback and linebacker who also can play some safety. Uh, you know, I got another uh, offensive lineman from Buffalo. So I think I'm most excited about the fact that not just that you're getting these players in who you know, as you would hope, are are going to hope, you know, add some depth and, and just raise the overall floor of the, of the talent level of the team. But that clearly Leipold understands where the weaknesses were. And I don't think there was any question about that this year. And he's immediately addressing it. So it's not just that you're bringing in guys like, you know, it, it's not like, we, and I know that, you know, we got the, you know, one of the transfers in was a running back, but there's certain aspects where you feel better about the positions than others. You know, we didn't need to get another transfer in at quarterback, for example. So I do like that. I'm seeing that a lot of these transfers. Yeah. It's, it's good to get excited because those are areas of need and where you would think that these guys can come in and start contributing in immediately because especially on that side of the ball in the secondary or the, you know, the backside of the front seven, like, man, they just got, torn apart so much that you could think a couple of pieces here and there can, can really go a long way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also one of those things like looking at what they're doing. We knew that Leipold and because he actually said that they were going to do this was going to hit the transfer portal pretty hard to try to fill some spots. The fact that they are grabbing guys that yes, they didn't have a lot of playing time at their previous stops, but they were highly rated recruits that went to programs that already had a whole bunch of people in front of them and still were able to make, you know, get time on the field. So like the Ohio State player that's transferring in, he, you know, he spent some time on the field. Yes, he didn't get nearly as much as you would, you know, hope from a, a guy that's going to come in and start. But, you know, Jesse Newell was talking about some of these guys. They they rated fairly highly for the time that they did get on the field. So there's definitely talent there to work with. It's a matter of getting them into the system, getting them to be able to, you know, increase that talent level and get to the point where Kansas is going to be competitive. We've already, sh you know, seen what Lance Leibold can do with the talent that was already here, you know, 
some of the talented guys that they had, but you know, the vast majority of this of this roster were guys that were not heralded, that did not have a lot of that natural talent that was scouted out of out of high school. Um, but he was able to turn them into something that was able to get some big wins, that was able to make a lot of progress. So the fact that he's able to recruit now, you know, guys that were maybe not not necessarily um, you know, phenomenal at their prior schools, but at least did enough to to get that initial offer, to get those higher ratings, um, and, and to actually see the field at some of these higher level programs means that they he actually has additional tools to work with to get them going. So I'm excited to see what he's been able to do. I'm look I'm awfully stoked for the for the you know class that's gonna be not not final, but for the most part fleshed out Wednesday evening. Uh, like I said, we are going to have a an, an episode de- dedicated solely to football coming up later this week. Um, well, maybe not solely, but mostly to football later this week. I'm still working on the actual guests we're going to have for that. But um, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. We're going to have you know a lot of excitement going here for the for the football program. And and look, let let me tell you, I'm super excited about this. I'm already looking forward to next year when you know we're going to be able to go and we're going to be able to tailgate. It is never too early to be thinking about how you can improve your tailgate and the best way to improve your tailgating is through partner here on the, and, and, and sponsor here on the podcast, uh, gridiron metal gridiron metal, uh, is where you can get high quality metal home goods for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else, find those collegiate branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, can coolers, and more. All these are in actual school colors, not just the, Oh, it's really, really close colors. You know, it's, it's blue, um, that those other manufacturers like to use. I have that desk plaque, KUJ Hawk head, word cans next to it. I absolutely love it. Uh, it's actually sitting right here on my desk right now. I'm, I'm, I'm staring at it right now. It's, it's fantastic. I have the Rock Chalk Podcast logo that they cut out for me in metal. So they do that all that custom work. If you have an idea for something that you want, you can get in touch with them. They will help get it drafted, You know, get that quote out to you. If you have a grill that it does not show up on their website, but you want a, a custom grill grate for it, that's what they mean by custom. You, they will actually go, you give them the dimensions, they will cut it out for you, make sure the logo looks absolutely fantastic on it, and you can get it for whatever grill that you might have or whatever grill you're going to be getting. So go go on over to gridironmetal.com, use promo code CHOCK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order, and right now all orders have free shipping. They have a lot of fantastic stuff, they're adding new stuff, everything over there is super high quality, it's made here in the USA, and they continue to add new stuff all the time. So again, head on over to gridironmetal.com, use promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your entire first order and all orders have free shipping it's probably too late in fact uh if you're listening to this episode on tuesday when it's dropping you you've already missed the cutoff to guarantee that it'll be there in time for christmas but like i said with home field this stuff is absolutely fantastic no matter what time of year you get it so uh, you know you can let them know that it's coming i'm sure that they're going to enjoy it just as much i guarantee you're gonna be able to find something that they do not have so if you're still looking for a, a last minute gift that you can show them that they can get super excited about head on over to grin iron metal but all right kyle um I think that's going to do it for us today, but are there any other final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with before we get out here? No, I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, looking ahead, we're getting ready to put a bow on 2021. And just if you look at not only what we talked about with basketball and, and the excitement around football and, and volleyball, just you had an impressive run in the NCAA tournament. Like it's pretty good right now for Kansas athletics. So, so take some time and enjoy it and, and, you know, knock on wood that this kind of success can continue into 2022. Yeah, And most... then that we can all get together and actually, you know, enjoy it uh, without just worrying about health and safety issues all the time. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Like you said, you have some great stuff coming up over on rock chalk talk. Um, if you guys want to make sure you're catching everything, you can follow Kyle over on Twitter. It's at Kyle Davis 21. Uh, you know, he, he does a great job for us writing here and there over at rock talk talk. I really appreciate having him over there on the staff, but, uh, you know, definitely have a lot of great stuff coming up. Um, you know, it's going to be absolutely fantastic. I'm looking forward to everything that we're all going to be doing over there for the rest of the basketball season and into next year. So, all right. Uh, that will do it for us today. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you haven't already, please to go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are, that are out there, just search for rock chalk podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast. You can get every episode as soon as it comes out. Uh, if you can leave us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments would be absolutely great. If not, for whatever reason, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to get you guys all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you ever have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 network. We have a lot of great shows. We actually just added a Houston show over there as well. So we are filling out the network with all the different schools. 
Uh, if you want to get any information about anybody in the Big 12 Conference, head on over there. I promise we're going to have a lot of great information for you out there. We're building something great over there. Uh, just go to at 1012network. That's TN12network over on Twitter. You can get links to all the shows from there. Um, we are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail, get your voice on the show. Uh, just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and we will get your voice on the show. Uh, but I think, oh, one last reminder, make sure that you do uh, visit all of our great sponsors. Uh, you know, we have Gridiron, Symbol, Homefield. They are all doing great things over there. Use promo code CHALK12 at all of those locations so that you can get great deals. But uh, that is going to do it for us today. Kyle, once again, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J. and Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.